Welcome to episode 144 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Below, and I am so pleased to be spending this time with you. We're going to have some fun with this episode and the conversation because I welcome one of my favorite people on the planet, Betsy Talbot. If you've been a longtime listener to this podcast, you'll recognize that name. Betsy has been my guest two previous times, including one time with her husband, Warren. This conversation takes a very different and personal tack, since we're talking about her own journey through entrepreneurship and what she learned in the process of launching and dissolving several businesses. While there are many points that Betsy makes that are worth elaborating on, there's one in particular that I honed in on during the conversation that I'm going to revisit for a minute or two after the interview. So please stick around. I'm really happy to share that the first virtual networking for introverts event just happened and the feedback has been great. Uh, Participants mentioned that they received valuable content and appreciated the low pressure space to connect with other introverts. For the upcoming events, I'm lining up some really terrific featured speakers who will offer tips on everything from improving your LinkedIn profile to getting the most out of Google to gracefully navigating your most common networking etiquette dilemmas. It's great content alongside small group networking, all from the comfort of your home or office. I'll be posting information and registration for the February, March, and April events very soon on my website and on social media, and I really do hope that you decide to join us. Let's move on to our interview. Betsy Talbot is a 40-something traveler, author, and content marketing expert. When she's not traveling or working or penning books about love, adventure, and self-discovery, she's hiking, learning flamenco dancing, and drinking wine in a tiny whitewashed village in Spain. You can learn more about Betsy and how to connect with her, as well as find links to her Introvert Island book selections in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Hi, Betsy. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I am so pleased to be talking to you again. You are one of my repeat guests. (laughs) I always love talking with you, Beth. (laughs) It's awesome. It's awesome. I think this is this is at least our third conversation. Um, I think so. I know. I know you and I talked individually, and then I've interviewed you and Warren, your husband, um, before. And honestly, uh, I don't know how he got on the show because he is an extrovert, <laughs> and he should not be allowed. I know, I know. he's a, what do they call it? Not an interloper, but you know, <laughs> just somebody who he crashed the party. <laughs> Isn't that we, what extroverts do? They crash the party. <laughs> they crash the party. But you know, it's Warren and we do love Warren. So it's yes, okay. We do. <laughs> well, what is making you smile today? Uh, what is making me smile today is that tomorrow I will be eating enchiladas for the first time in about four mm. years. So it's been a long <gasps> wow. time since we've been in the US or Mexico. And this is a treat that I don't often get. So my husband is making it tomorrow. He's already made the homemade enchilada sauce. And that is making me grin from ear to ear. Awesome. And and tell everybody where you are um, calling from. I am calling from Spain. We've been living here for about three years now. And 99.9% of the time, it is fabulous. But that 1% mm-hmm. is because there's no Mexican food here. Yeah, no enchiladas. <laughs> enchiladas and no spicy peppers. Bummer. Yeah. That's one of those, you know, they should have told you that before you moved. You know, that should have been on the brochure, but it was not. Clearly, clearly. Well, lucky for you, you have Warren who's going to cook you up some good, good eats. 
He is a very good cook, and I am very lucky that he likes to do it every day. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, as as we said, you know, you and I have talked before, but I'm guessing, um, you know, there are definitely people listening who have not heard our conversations, and I'd love to give them context about about you. We know Warren is an extrovert, but where do you fall on the spectrum, and how do you feel like that information has influenced your path? Well, I am about as introverted as you can be. I live part of the year in a cave (laughs) and the other part of the year in a house in a small village in Spain. So I am someone who does like to be alone. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like it. So, but the the flip side to that is that I'm not shy at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, you know, in my business career, I've, I've developed strategies to use my energy and my lack of shyness to, to do what I need to do in very short bursts of energy. And then I retreat to said cave and or small house and tiny village. (laughs) So, um, but I would say that, you know, the biggest uh, transition for me in this whole thing has been recognizing my uh, introvertedness and, and matching it with being partnered with someone who is an extrovert, not only an extrovert, he's about as extreme extrovert (laughs) as I am Mm -hmm. introvert. So it's Mm. been an interesting uh, mix. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I do, I'm going to include a link to our, our past conversation with the two of you, because we talk about that and how you balance, um, how you play off of each other, what you've learned from each other. And I do remember it as being a fantastic conversation. So I'm definitely going to share that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned the word transitions. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I think of Betsy, I think of transitions. <laughs> you know, um, you and I first met, um, you're one of the few podcast guests. Often I don't have the pleasure necessarily of having met the people that I talk to. But um, you and I met for the first time back in 2010. And wouldn't you know it, it happened to be just before you were leaving the country, of course. And that so, is no reflection. That is no reflection on you, Beth. <laughs> I know. I will try not to take that personally or to, you know, try to draw a correlation there. <laughs> but <laughs> but still, I still hurt, just so you know. But the reason that we met was I was going to a book event of a mutual colleague, Maria Ross, who I've also interviewed on this podcast. And um, and yeah, you were just you and Warren were just getting ready to to go to Spain or actually not even to go to Spain. I shouldn't even try to tell the story. I want you to tell the story of what was that pivot point for you? And then what other transitions have you made along the way? Just sort of map out a little bit of a timeline for us. Okay. Well, it's interesting that you bring up Maria because as you know, Maria suffered a a brain aneurysm. And, you know, at the time we we were good friends. Um, Our husbands worked together. We saw each other socially all the time. And when we saw her brought low by this, it was a huge Mm -hmm. shock. And this had come on the heels of my my younger brother, who at the time was 35, had had a heart attack. And it was, you know, a conversation that came up, you know, here we are approaching 40 at the time. And we said, you know, what would we do if we knew we wouldn't make it to our 40th birthdays? Mm-hmm. And uh, at that moment, we said we would travel the world. Of course, we travel the world. We do all these wonderful, fabulous things. And then, of course, we poured each other another margarita and we <laughs> talked with our, we were we were with friends at a restaurant and, you know, we're having this conversation. And as we were walking home that night, we looked at each other and said, you know, there's really nothing stopping us mm-hmm. from doing this. And, you know, the next day we jumped right on it and started planning. And it took us two years to save the money, to sell everything we owned. And then we took off and we traveled the world for almost four years out of a backpack. 
And it wasn't until we landed in this little village in Spain. We came here, believe it or not, to house sit. We were just going to watch somebody's dog for a month while they went on holiday after we had done this month-long hike in Turkey. And we came here and we fell in love. And a week after we arrived, we bought a house. Wow. Wow. (laughs) No grass grows under your feet. (laughs) Not really. It doesn't. I I, uh, don't always make the right decisions in my life, but I am good at making decisions in my life. Very decisive. Yeah. So, so yeah, we've lived here now for three years and, um, it's, it's been an amazing experience. I, I, I'm grateful for the time that we traveled. I'm grateful for the time that we were in the U S before, and I'm grateful for the time that I have now. It's all about living in the moment and enjoying these different parts of your life. Um, there are a lot of things I want to do and you can't do them all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's important to enjoy them while you can and then move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so part of, I believe, Married with Luggage, which was your first venture, was also birthed at the same time that you made that travel change. Um, yes, we, we started Married with Luggage as a way to document our preparations for the trip. So we started Married with Luggage in 2008. Oh, and okay. it yeah. started out as a blog mm-hmm. and then it turned into books and courses and all kinds of information about um You know, I like to think of it almost like a middle-aged map Mm -hmm. of how to make transition, although many of the people who followed us weren't middle-aged. But, uh, you know, talking about getting your finances in order to make your money work for you, um, streamlining your possessions so that you're surrounded by what you love and what, you know, what what makes you happy. And really this this process of living, I hate to say living intentionally because it sounds, you know, more woo-woo than I really am, but it is about living intentionally Mm -hmm. and making your life support your goals and your dreams and what you want to do rather than trying to fit your goals and dreams and what you want to do inside the life that you already have. So that's what we spent all of our time doing with Married with Luggage up until uh, just over a year ago. And uh, that's when we made the second change, which was deciding that we weren't making the kind of living we wanted to. We were working too many hours. It was just not sustainable. And so we decided to really hone down and talk about living an uncluttered life, Mm -hmm. really hone down on that subject. And, you know, we hosted a podcast for three years. And so we talked on these topics and we, we created guides. We had a membership community. Uh, It was a really great experience. And I loved sharing those lessons. And it wasn't until we closed that business in at the, well, I think it was November 1st of 2016. Mm -hmm. And that was yet another transition. So here we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you know, you know, okay, so let me back up. I, I got an email the other day from a colleague who was asking me, like, how do you know when it's time to move on <laughs> or to shift gears? And she said, I haven't found much information about it. You know, and when when I Googled it, mostly what I found was about careers, you know, like a traditional thing. It wasn't necessarily about a business or entrepreneurship. So I'm curious when you were making each one of these transitions, like how did you know that it was, at least in the moment, the right thing to do? I think part of it is a quirk of my personality that I always think about the end at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I'm always considering what this is going to look like when it's played out. Um, what, what will make me no longer be happy about this? And, you know, one thing I can mention right here is that my husband and I have a one year renewal on our relationship. This is Mm -hmm. (laughs) how, this Mm -hmm. is how far I take it is that every year on our anniversary, we decide if we're going to do this again for another year. And we Mm -hmm. have, we have a pretty structured process of going through this. And so again, it's, it's always about 
checking in and saying, is this still working for me? What are the metrics that I gave myself to say that this is still working for me? And if I'm not meeting those metrics, why? Is it something on the outside? Is it something that I'm failing to do? Is, you know, is it time for a change? And so when you go into, um, when you go into a situation that way, it makes it a lot easier to know when it's time because you've identified upfront, this is what it looks like when it's not working anymore. Because otherwise Mm -hmm. it's so easy to talk yourself into it. I mean, we could get an email from someone, we'd have a, say a bad month financially. And then you get an email from someone that said, Oh my gosh, your advice really helped me out of the situation, <laughs> changed my life. And you think, Oh my gosh, that's great. But then, you know, that email doesn't actually grow your business or pay your bills. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we had to be really practical. So when we turned to, when we honed down to become an uncluttered life, we gave ourselves one year and we had specific metrics, which is much easier to do in a business, I think, than yeah. in a personal situation, sure. but you still can do it. Yeah. And so I think that's what it is, is I start with the end in mind. What would make me quit this thing? What would make me no longer be interested in this anymore? What would make me want to move on? And that way, whenever it happens, I can recognize it. I just now remembered that in that email, she shared something that's very similar to what you just said. Like she had hosted an event and she got an email that said, let me tell you all the ways this sucked. (laughs) And then for somebody else, let me tell you all the ways that this transformed my life. (laughs) And so if we're relying on that external feedback loop to make those very, um, even if it's our business, those very personal decisions, like if we don't have those metrics that you talk about, we can stay in that very confused space um, because of all of those different messages that we're inevitably going to get. Because of course, what we do doesn't always resonate with everyone, but we can also be inappropriately, I guess, swayed by, like you said, you know, things are crashing and then you get the one email that says, I love you guys. (laughs) And it makes you sort of you know, it it can be sort of a freak out moment if you're not grounded in having already defined what's most important to you. Well, one thing I think introverts excel at as a general rule, um, I'm going to stereotype us right here and say that we we Uh do generally have a pretty good sense of self because we don't often depend as much on outside interaction as maybe extroverts do. So it's a strength that you can actually build and grow and, and, and make it into this huge, strong muscle that will, will guide you through your life. It doesn't mean that you'll always make the right decisions, of course, but making the wrong decision is not the end of the world. Um, I, I look at life more like a flow chart that, you know, you, you, you answer a question one way, you go down this one path and maybe it doesn't work. So then you move to the next box. It, it just keeps flowing. It's not like there's one decision and you're going to make it and it's going to be the right one that sets you up for the rest of your life, or it's going to be the wrong one that dooms you to failure for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, you adjust, we're humans and we're highly adaptable, highly adaptable. Yeah. And I, you, I go back to what you said as you were describing the story of how you decided to, um, um, move from Seattle to world travel. And you said nothing stopped. We realized there was nothing stopping us. And that's true all along the way. There's nothing stopping you from making any of the choices that you need to make. And that includes looking at something and saying, this isn't working. And what can we do differently? Well, not um, only as- that, your definition of not working could be different than others. Because we had yes. people who actually thought when we were closing our business that we were, you know, uh, packing up all of our stuff, moving back to the U.S., tail between our legs. Mm. This whole thing had been a failure. There were other people worried that we didn't have enough to eat. I mean, it was a cr- even though I explained <laughs> it in our final episode yeah. that we were going to, you know, try some new things. We were staying in Spain, you know. You know, my definition of it not working didn't mean that we weren't making any money. It meant that the business wasn't working for the lifestyle that we had chosen and we were working too many hours for too little pay. It didn't mean, but, but, you know, 
people will take what they want from scenarios. We all do it. I do it. You do it. Everybody does it. Um, what's important is to keep to yourself and know that it doesn't matter what other people are thinking or how they're interpreting your decision. Um, it doesn't matter uh, because yeah. they're not, not living your life. You are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so true. So true. So how did you decide this latest one from moving from an uncluttered life to to what's next? And tell us about what you did decide to do. So so right now I'm doing copywriting. I'm writing emails and website content and lead magnets for small businesses, small to medium businesses, I would say. Um, and the reason I got into this is because this is one of the things that I loved about Married with Luggage and An Uncluttered Life. One thing we did for our podcast is that we we had a content upgrade, uh, basically a mini lead magnet for every episode. So every week I created one of these for like a year. And before that, you know, the the blog posts, the marketing, the media, all of that, I loved doing that. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, uh, you know, I could take what I learned from that, that, you know, the day in, day out, week in, week out, deadlines, production, writing the books, all of that, I could put that together into something else. And that got me really excited because I realized that it wasn't a loss because this is a this is the the trap that I think a lot of people fall into is if I don't do this anymore, what will I do? Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. thinking that your skills and your experience are transferable. Exactly. That you can bring them into different jobs. So I just thought, you know, let's just try this out and see. So I go on to Upwork. And I say, you know, this is a this is a marketplace for people who are, you know, offering jobs and looking for people like me. Mm-hmm. So why don't I just try it out and see how this works? Maybe I'll make five hundred dollars or something. I don't know. And boom, right mm. out of the gate, I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> and you know, then you've got this little story in the back of your mind. You think, wow, maybe I should have been doing this all along. <laughs> exactly. But this is the, this is the other great lesson in this is that when you transition, when you let go of something, you discover something on the other side that you may not have ever considered. Um, so now, you know, I've been doing this for several months and the business is growing. I have great long term clients. I have weekends off that I never had before. Mm -hmm. I don't worry about money every month before like I did. And I have a great deal of personal satisfaction because I do a job. It's done. They're happy with it. I get paid for the job. And that's not something that I did before. It was always working towards a bigger eventual goal. So Mm -hmm. again, it's, it's a completely different experience than what I had before. And had I held on to the other one out of ego or longevity or fear of of not finding something else, I would have never discovered this about myself yeah, at all. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're echoing something I've learned myself is like the more attached we become to something, the more we're setting ourselves up for, oh, disappointment. <laughs> or we're cutting ourselves off to opportunities, like you said. If you had not let go, you would not have known what was possible. And- Probably the experience of of letting go of everything to go travel, you know, getting rid of all of our possessions, mm-hmm. which is difficult to do. And then starting over in this house in Spain. I mean, we had to start over with everything. We didn't even own a towel, um, a dish, yeah. a nothing. And and to to intentionally bring things into the house. And I remember telling Warren that I never wanted anything in this house that was so precious that I couldn't just lock the door and leave and worry about it. You know, I didn't want to, because mm-hmm. we still love to travel. I don't want to say, oh, we can't go travel because I have this precious thing that I'm afraid something's going to happen to it yeah. while we're gone. I, I, I don't want to live that life anymore because it's all about experience. Um, that said, I mean, I don't want to live in a dump either. I, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, 
there's a yeah. fine balance there for well, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like one of the ways that I have tried to streamline, you know, we downsized during 2016 and sold our house and went from, you know, 1800 square feet and four bedrooms and, and all of that down to an apartment that is probably about 1100 square feet and two bedrooms. And so it's made me much more conscious of making sure that everything that I have around me is something that I genuinely want to have. Like it's something I love. And I think that that is either emotionally or for aesthetic reasons. And that has helped me in other ways. I mean, I think there's a ripple effect when you start doing that, that you notice other things, like even the people that you have in your life or the tasks that you choose to take on in your business. You start noticing more, how do I align myself with what I love? Yes. And, you know, this is this is the thing. When you decide the direction you want to go in your life, and I don't mean like I'm going to be VP of this or I'm going to, I don't know, whatever your specific goal is, but the direction, you know, this is the kind of person I want to be. This is the kind of life I want to live. This is how I want to feel every day. When you start moving along that path, it's really easy to see the things, the people, the relationships, the habits that don't fit. Now, I'm not saying that you get rid of all of them because it is hard to let go of some certain bad habits maybe <laughs> or, or certain things, but, but you can definitely see what's working and what's not. And it, it does become easier over time to let go of those things so that you're living I don't want to say like a more pure existence because that's, I mean, we all have lives, we all have problems, we all have stress and all of that, but it becomes a more tailored yeah. version of the life that you want to live. And it becomes less stressful even when times are bad mm. because you're surrounded with the people, the things, the habits, the lifestyle that you really want. So again, Last year was a tough year for us for some reasons outside the business. We had some health concerns and some things with, with close family and friends. And one thing that we kept saying to each other over and over again is we have loved the life that we've created all these years when things were good, but we never realized how important it was until things went bad. Mm, yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Because I think we need to hear those stories and we need to know that... Um, what what you are sharing um, reminds me of the importance of resilience, like how you build resilience and that uh, s sort of storing up and appreciating and being fully present for those good times helps us when things aren't as good. Resilience is a muscle that grows through practice. Mm -hmm. And so um, practicing resilience in many little ways all the time means that when big things, I think I liken it to uh, purposeful um, deprivation. So when you tell yourself, I'm not going to have meat uh, three days a week, or I'm only going to have wine on the weekends, or whatever limitations you want to give to your life, they're arbitrary. They mean absolutely nothing in the whole scheme of things because you're the boss of you and you can eat meat every day if you want. But when you tell yourself that you can do these things, then when things come from the outside, they're easier to handle. Mm -hmm. You've already conditioned yourself through your own habits to do certain things and to handle these changes in your life. So when the economy tanks or when someone gets sick or you have an unexpected bill, things like that that happen that stress you out, it's easier to handle it because you're used to it. Your your mind is tuned mm -hmm. to flexibility and resilience. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that, that leads me to my final question, and I have a feeling it dovetails. But um, So what advice would you have for people that are at some sort of crossroads? Like say, you know, my colleague who emailed and said, I don't know what's next. I don't know if I keep going where I'm going, if I shift, you know, whatever. But what advice do you have for somebody who's at a crossroads? Well, there's two points of advice. One is that there is no one perfect answer. So whichever one you choose, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. 
The second one, uh, mm. and, and that's that is true. I mean, you're going to adapt whatever you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, there's a thing in psychology called confirmation bias. Once mm-hmm. you've made a decision, you're going to keep telling yourself all the ways that your decision was the right one. So yeah. it doesn't matter which one you pick. The second one is that if you start, even if you didn't start developing those metrics when you started whatever it is you're thinking of leaving, if you do those metrics now, what would make you con- want to continue in this? job, project, relationship, habit, situation. Um, If you go ahead and outline what those metrics are, instead of leaving it up to feeling and emotion, Mm -hmm. which can change every single day, multiple times during the day, (laughs) if you set Mm -hmm. out those metrics that you define, that are are defined by you and and judge it yourself and not what other people think, not what other people are going to say, that's the important thing is to know what success looks like for you. And when you have those metrics in place and you know what that looks like, then you can compare it to your reality and say, you know, this isn't where I'm at right now. And this is what I can do to make it better. Or this isn't where I'm at right now. It's never going to change due to outside forces. So I need to move on. Mm -hmm. It makes it a lot easier to make that decision when it is a set of factors that you're comparing your situation against rather than trying to make the perfect decision or go with your emotions. Yeah. Great advice. Thank you so much for that. Yes. So I, you know, we could keep talking <laughs> as we are, as is always the case. Um, but let's let's uh, land the plane with a couple questions that I ask all of my guests. And that is, uh, if you were granted a three week vacation on Introvert Island, and you could only take three books with you, what would you take with you? And why? Oh, my gosh. See, this changes for me all the time. But I will tell you, I just read a book that I loved called An Exaltation of Larks that was absolutely beautiful. Mm. It talks about so many aspects of the human condition in a way that is just compelling and riveting and wonderful. Um, The second book is one that I'm rereading right now, and that is 1984. (laughs) Very Uh, timely. Sorry to say Um, But well, this is the other thing. I think it's important to create art in times of crisis and in times of turmoil. This is sometimes when the best art comes out. Mm -hmm. So so that would be, you know, something else that I would uh, recommend. And the third book. Oh, gosh. um, Let's see. The third book. I'm struggling with this right now. See, this is the thing I read probably three books a week. Mm. My, my favorites are always changing. Yeah. Well, that's the the sign of a curious mind. <laughs> so I'm going to go with those two. For, I'm just kidding. Well, and, and all of a sudden, I'm remembering the other thing I want people to know is that not only are you doing writing for others, but you do your own writing and you have forayed into fiction as well. And I'm curious if you are continuing to do that. Yes, I do. I still have my Late Bloomer series, which is a series of adventurous romance novels starring women over 40. Yes. It's all about career and travel and adventure and friendship. And I love writing those books. Yes, I have the third book, which is named Tiger Lily, and it is scheduled to be out this spring. And then there's two more in the series that I will finish doing. Um, it's it's a fun project for me. Uh, it's not my full-time job, but it is a fun project for me. And again, like I said, creating art in times of of turmoil is almost more fulfilling than creating art in times of peace and prosperity and no stress. So, uh, you know, putting your message out there in whatever way that works mm-hmm. for you, music, art, writing, whatever, um, is I think especially for introverts who have such an active uh, internal life yeah. is is a really great way of putting it out there without having to directly interact with people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think that's why so many of us are writers. <laughs> we have so much to say, but please don't make us say it. <laughs> 
Let exactly. us write it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. And I'll make sure that there are links to that in the show notes as well. So how can I, I will include uh, contact information in the show notes, but how, what are the best ways for somebody to get in touch with you? Well, the best way to reach me is through BetsyTalbot.com. Um, that's where my work lives. And that's where you can contact me, whether it's about a question about being an introvert. Uh, you know, my husband is always making the joke, uh-oh, she's introverting. And <laughs> I'm pretty good at that. And, uh, but, but you can always reach me at BetsyTalbot.com. And I'm also on Facebook at uh, Betsy Talbot as well. And those are the two main places that I hang out. This is the other thing that, uh, you know, I do have a Twitter account, but I don't really use it. And I don't know, I feel like it's, you you go where where you're going to do the best work and where you're really going to be active and otherwise just let it go. Exactly. Sage, sage advice to end our conversation on. Thank you for that. <laughs> and and um, best wishes with the new venture. It sounds like it's going fantastically. And yes, thank you so much. I'm excited for you and for all the people that you're going to be serving through your outstanding writing. Um, that's a gift that you're giving to the world. So thank you for doing that as well. So thanks you so much, Betsy. It's been a pleasure. As always, a pleasure talking with you too. I can't wait till we see each other in person again. <laughs> There's one point Betsy made that I found particularly powerful, and that's the idea of recommitting to your choices on a regular basis. In fact, it's so powerful that I'm thinking I've mentioned this idea before in a previous podcast, but like all good things that continually come up again and again, there's a reason for it, and it bears repeating. When we first make a change, we're very aware of the new commitment that we've made. It might be that now I'm married, or I'm an entrepreneur, or I'm in this new job. It might even be, I've just started this new exercise routine. The choice was so big and intentional, or it had so much presence for us, that we get energy from the newness of it and feel the change more intensely. We just have a much deeper awareness of that choice. But as time goes on, we can get into familiar patterns and eventually, at its worst, feel like we're stuck or we're in a rut. We can feel like where we are is all there is, and we have no choice but to keep going. Or we just start taking for granted what the situation is, not appreciating or noticing the gifts that it brings us. That's when it's especially valuable to renew your vows to the choice. Hit pause and remind yourself that you are always at choice, and in that moment, you choose whatever it is, to stay married or with your partner, to be an entrepreneur, to have the business you have, or to do the work you do. If we choose to do it, it means that we have the power to choose not to do it, too. If you have too many days in a row when you can't honestly reaffirm your commitment, then you have the power to make a change. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to abruptly shift directions or throw out all of your work. Instead, see it as an opportunity to reflect on how you're feeling and if the original choice still works for you. The invitation is to be intentional, to notice your level of commitment, and to stay awake to how you're feeling and if what's happening in your life and business is aligned with your goals and values. 
As I sign off here, I want to share a very special thank you to Betsy Talbot as my guest. Um, Thank you for joining me in this episode, Betsy, and for your energy and your vulnerability. And to Paul Messing, my podcast producer, and my assistant, Naja, who provides the episode show notes. You can find those show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash podcast. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. Thank you.